We've got Andrew Platt with us in studio. He's lead pastor at Mountain Park Community Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And apparently I said New York earlier. That's all right. Didn't even hear myself say it, man. So (laughs) please forgive me. But I I know, of course, that you're on the Canadian side and uh, have loved getting to know you a little bit over the years at various events like Kingdom Bound and stuff like that. But yeah, so now Mountain Park, is that... Uh, is that a church plant? Is it fairly new, or has it been around for a while? Um, the church itself has actually been around for quite a long time, since the 70s, mm-hmm. and it's existed in different uh, different iterations over the years, and um, we've just recently sort of completely replanted it. We've gone right down to the foundation and are just rebuilding things, and... Um, with a new vision and a new heart for what the future is going to look like. Because, you know, every once in a while you hear things about the word on the street, and the word on the street is good things are happening at Mountain Park, and that <laughs> God's really doing a new and fresh work. So I didn't know if it was a new church or not. Uh, by the way, you, you're born and raised in Canada yourself? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So did you end up, were you one of those guys who ended up going to grade 13? No, I actually uh, went to high school out in Western Canada, so we, we didn't have grade 13. Okay, because around here, you know, like I have cousins in Canada, some of them went to grade 13, and I thought that was the year they taught you to use the word iterations, which <laughs> <laughs> which I'm going to have to actually Google later. Oh, but, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm now going to get flack for that from my own team at home. They bug me all the time about some of the words that I use. I don't do it intentionally. but Are you an avid reader? You must be a reader. I do enjoy it. I'm not like I don't I don't read big novels or anything like that, but All I right. do like to read. That's sometimes where some of those big words come from. <laughs> um, so you were born and raised in Canada, and your dad is a pastor, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, we actually got to pastor together um, when I was super young in ministry as an intern mm-hmm. in my mid early twenties, and uh, I worked under him for the first. 10 years of ministry, um, and uh, it's really neat, a little bit frustrating, and <laughs> all of that stuff. You know what it's like when you're working with family. There's huge blessing and yeah. huge frustration. Look at the Zach man looking at us yeah. over there. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually work together again, which is super cool, and uh, it's amazing. Now, growing up and stuff, we'll get to, to some of the details and how they all fell into place, but like, did you purpose in your heart that you desired to be a pastor, or is it something God kind of brought your way? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. Um, I actually wanted really nothing to do with the church. Uh, growing up as a pastor's kid, we moved around quite a bit, mm-hmm. and so I don't think I was ever in a school more than four years uh, at a time, and and for whatever reason, when I was younger, I was just actually really ashamed that my dad was a pastor. And really? I actually would tell my friends in junior high or high school even that he was an architect or an engineer or, <laughs> or something I thought was super cool, but I just, um, I never wanted to be a pastor. I wanted nothing to do with ministry in that capacity. Wow. And I mean, like a lot of pastor's kids, I have a very similar story of just all out rejecting God for a, a big chunk of my teen years and... Um, deciding I knew better, um, but here I am. All right, well, we'd like to keep it real here, and so we don't want names and dates or anything, but Mm -hmm. what led to that? Why did you feel that way? Because, I mean, the truth is, uh, churches are filled with people, and people bump into each each other and hurt each other from time to time, and so there can be great joy in ministry and, you know, wonderful victories and things like that, but there's some real pain and suffering along the way, too. So what... What played into all of that? Because at some point you were saying, I want nothing to do with the church. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it was watching uh, from an inside track, watching your parents engaging in ministry and watching the moments of joy, but also the moments of complete devastation and hurt and mm-hmm. pain. And um, I remember... I remember in one particular season, I literally watching my dad come home from a meeting. I was uh, just had just finished high school, actually. I watched him come home from a meeting, and he uh, literally collapsed on the floor. And we had to call the uh, ambulance, and we called nine one one. 
and it was it was actually induced through the stress and mm. through the pain of what was happening on a ministry level. And I just kind of was looking around going, I don't, like, I'm not signing up for this. I, I have no desire <laughs> yeah. to be laying on the floor in my living room, you know, with an ambulance coming because of the stuff that goes on in church. And so I, um, yeah, I just I just thought, okay, God, I, there's got to be a, a different way for me to serve you and follow you. And um, let's just find out what that is. So it's incredible. I, I, I could tell you stories too. Uh, having served in pastoral ministry for eight years, um, essentially five of them in a lead role. Um, and you know, things that even good things that happen in people's lives. Um, like a guy who had come to the church with a real serious physical condition and, and he hadn't even been able to go to church for a long time. And during the course of the worship and, and the teaching that day, and I wasn't the one preaching, just so you know, <laughs> but uh, he, his entire situation was turned around. Like, he's struggling with double vision and vertigo and some other things, and it left him while he was at church. Mm. And and they wrote a note and said, hey, it was the coolest thing that this happened, and, and now we know where we're going to go to church, and it's this other place across town. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you, so as a pastor, you're all excited. Wow, God did something really great, and we'll never see these people again. <laughs> yeah. Which... You know, we're human. I mean, and maybe that's part of what pastors need to realize. It's not their ministry. It's the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, but we you can be territorial and stuff. Yeah, but there's a lot of pain associated with it. And you, you were eyewitness to some of it, including your dad collapsing on the floor. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so, but let's go back, because did you know the Lord before you walked? You must have before you walked away from him. What do you think you... Yeah, so first I, gave your life to Christ. <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I, I rem- so when I was younger, um, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. But when the movie A Thief in the Night came out, you're not that old. Well, I'm in my 40s now. Okay, my, my kids right. remind me of how old I am. But <laughs> um, right. so that movie came out. I was a youngster when that movie came out, and I I was terrified terrified yeah. i can actually visually still see that razor that was in the sink at just the beginning buzzing, buzzing yeah. at the beginning of the guy's it. electric razor oh yeah and then the lawnmower <laughs> with nobody behind it and <laughs> dude i, I was, know exactly what oh, you're talking yeah. about so i was terrified and after we watched that movie i said mom i've got to get my life right with jesus i was just a <laughs> youngster um and uh i i made them leave the lights on upstairs and the radio on all like for months after that i was just completely terrorized <laughs> but so I, I as a youngster i did make a decision for christ but i actually um in high school just decided just to completely walk away from that and i i remember i had a an a literal this actually happened i had a sit down meeting at red lobster after church with my parents that was our after church hangout Mm -hmm. and i sat them down and i said guys i'm done with this i'm done with god i'm done with church i just want you to know that if you try to convince me otherwise or if you preach at me i'm going to do everything in my power to show you how bad i can be to show you how dysfunctional and destructive i can be and so I literally had that conversation with them oh, man. and then just went off the deep end in my own life. And to their credit, uh, it's actually it's staggering to me now that I have my own kids. They, for several years, just prayed. I stopped, you know, so I'm the pastor's son. My dad was in a large church at that time. Um, I stopped going altogether. Um, I was completely defiant and anti-everything related to God, and they just prayed. Um, and it was really a series of events that led me back, uh, tragedies actually, ex- experience death from uh, sudden death in one of my best friends at the time. And, and uh, I was just trying to put these pieces together, of, like mm-hmm. how my life was unraveling. And... Um, one day I just, I came home after school and I said, dad, I'm thinking about going to youth group tonight. And he just about fell off of his chair at the dinner table. <laughs> and, uh, he said, I was going to ask you if you wanted to go to a movie, but no, 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 you should just go to youth group. I think that's a good call. 
And uh, over the next year, I actually walked back into um, a relationship with Jesus that was mine, and that uh, it took my wrestling and mm. my um, processing and just really facing some of the stuff that, that uh, the questions I had. And so it was actually over the course of a year that I, I um, began to walk back to Jesus, and then I just uh, gave my life to him fully when I was probably 18 years old. Incredible. It's incredible. I'm sure there's more details we'll hear along the way, but i got to tell you one thing before our break. Yeah. Um, Thief in the Night. Yeah. Okay, the, the, the electric razor buzzing in the sink, <laughs> the lawnmower running on the front lawn, and the reason was everyone had been wrapped. Well, the Christians had been raptured. Yeah, That's yeah. why these things were happening yeah. in this movie. And so I was very aware of the same thing and, and terrified of being left behind. Yeah. So uh, I was about 10 years old when I first saw the movie, and within that next year or so, there was a day that I, I came home in the evening. I had been over at a friend's house. I came home. It was about 9 o'clock, just getting dark. And I walk in, and no one's there. But there's a pot of water boiling on the stove. <laughs> so I call out my mom's name. No response. My dad, I think, wasn't home. I mean, there, why is there water boiling on the stove? And then the terror hit me. I've been left behind. Yep. So I didn't know what to do. So I picked up the phone. I got out the directory, called the pastor's house. <laughs> <laughs> and he answered the phone. And as soon as I heard his voice, I hung up because I knew I was good. Because if he, yeah, that's right, yeah, <laughs> if he was still here, if he was around, then probably the rapture didn't happen. It turns out my mom had run over next door to get a, you know, some salt or like a t- tablespoon of salt or something. I don't know yep. from a neighbor. <laughs> it's so weird, but I have that exact picture in my head that you have of that movie. Oh yeah, wow. All right, well, Andrew Platt is our guest. He's lead pastor at Mountain Park Community Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and we're going to get a chance to hear some more about the ministry and about. Um, about what God's doing at Mountain Park, but also about God's call on his life, because he came essentially to really surrender his life to Christ at the age of 18. But there's way more to that story, and we'll get to it as we continue. Putting the spotlight on what Jesus is doing in and through his local church. So thanks for being with us. It's a Worship Wednesday edition of NBL, and we'll be back with more in just a couple of minutes. Thanks for being here and and making the trek down from Canada to join us uh, during our Spotlight segment. And, of course, we want the spotlight to be on Jesus and what he's doing in and through his local church. But so uh, you you literally told your dad, who was your pastor, I want nothing to do with this Christianity thing. You went out and kind of just lived life on your own. I'm not going to church. I don't want to hear about church. Your, past, your parents made a really wise decision to just pray, mm-hmm. which is a hard thing to do. Because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I've taken hundreds of phone calls over the years, the many years, decades I've been in radio, of people who indicated at one point or another that they were dealing with a prodigal, and their question was, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I've tried everything. And um, I can't say that I, you know, it was my idea to say, well, how about praying? And most of them had already been praying. But to just say, Lord, this is beyond us. We're going to leave our child in your hands and trust that you are able to bring him back home. That's not easy. And it sounds like they really actually did just pray, and God began stirring your heart. Well, yeah. What was happening when you felt like the idea that maybe you wanted to go back to youth group? Like, where did that come from? Um, it, there was just uh, a sequence of events as I was uh, finishing my senior year in high school um, that just got me wondering, what in the world is it gaining me to be trying to figure this stuff all out on my own? Mm-hmm. And what? abandoning my faith has produced no joy and no fruit and i'm frustrated i'm watching my friends um engaged in just completely destructive behavior on another level and then um shortly after i had decided to just kind of walk back into the doors of the church for the first time i i hadn't made up my mind yet what i was going to do but I just went back into the church, and after one particular service, I, I was leaving the church, and I saw an ambulance speed by the church and head in the direction of a friend's house. And I, I didn't really think anything of it until um, a couple hours later that afternoon, I got a call from my friend's mom that said that he had died in his sleep that night. And um, he had a heart condition. He had a hole in his heart. And that night, he died in his sleep. Mm. And I just, 
remember sitting there that afternoon going, what am I doing? Like, am I really uh, so arrogant to believe that I can figure life out on my own, that I have all the answers that I need, that I can save myself? Um, no. And so um, just in his mercy, you know, um, God was leading me back to himself. And, um, you know, it's, I don't even know really how it happened per se, but other than I just began to see his goodness and his faithfulness um, in a new way all around me. And I had to respond somehow. Isn't that amazing in our life with, in our journey with Christ, that there are these moments where there's like a snapshot of something that happens. You, you, you saw the ambulance and then later get the phone call. And of course, then you begin thinking, but it could be something a person says or a phrase you read in a book or a, a, a little snippet of a movie, but the still small voice of God uses it <clears throat> to begin to point you back in the direction of home, mm -hmm. you know? And we've heard so many stories over the years of people telling about how they came to faith in Christ or how they came back after their prodigal years, you know, like whatever happened there. And, and there's always something like you just described where God in a quiet moment says, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I remember sitting on a wall at Boston University in 1980 or 81, and I had gone away to school and college, and I was basically a missionary the first two years. I was also a legalistic jerk. <laughs> just have to say that. But I, I had a heart for God. I, I, I was not internally necessarily living for him 100%, but everyone on the outside believed I was. But but I was passionate about sharing my faith and stuff. But then my junior year, for a variety of reasons, I fell flat on my face. Uh, my parents were getting divorced, and a number of other things happened to me that year that were just devastating. And I kind of said, enough is enough. I'm done. But one day, uh, in a drunken stupor sitting on a wall at Boston University, a friend came up and said, Neil, what are you doing? Um, because we know who you are, and this isn't you. Mm. And that was the voice of a non-believer asking me, what I was doing, but it was almost as if the Holy Spirit himself was talking to me, and I began to have that conversation with God, and that was the beginning of my journey back home. Not home, per se, but, you know, to Jesus, to, to, to let him be Lord and Master of my life, but how gracious of God to be patient with us so that we can come to, the, to a place of saying, Lord, I do want you in my life, and this is my decision, not my parents, um, so I'm going to be passionate about following you because I know that, that you're true and your word is true, and it, I mean, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it sounds generally like what happened to you. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. <sighs> it had to be hard to lose a friend at that age. Good Lord, very young. Yeah, yeah, it was. And um, our, I, for as long as I can remember, our families experienced death and tragedy. And so in some ways, I'm really used to it. But in other ways, I mean, you're never used to it. Right. And so certainly as a young guy just about to graduate high school, thinking that I had everything locked down and I was the captain of my own ship, so to speak, um, God was just speaking to me something different. And he was just reminding me of life's frailty and my need for him and the fact that I actually am not in control of my own life. At the point that you said, I want to, Lord, I, I need you. I want you in my life. And you came home. The prodigal came home uh, in that sense. Where were you at with regard to your future? Did, were you even thinking about how God might use you in the future or like what you would study at university or where were you at with all that? Yeah. So um, in the middle of my that that year, my senior year, my my parents actually uh, moved away from the city we were living in and moved further out west, um, just south of Calgary. So I finished the last few months of my high school um, in Saskatoon, in Saskatchewan, where I was, and then uh, followed them out to Alberta. And I just took a year and a half off of school. Um, I I'm I love sports, and I'm I'm my life was skiing at that time, mm -hmm. and so I worked in the mountains and I worked for some ski resorts. And my dream. My dream was to become a helicopter ski guide. Really? That was my <laughs> full-on dream, was to be a heli ski guide and uh, to spend my time in the mountains. What does that mean? <laughs> you helicopter to the top of the mountain and ski down, or what? Yeah, and basically your job is to lead 
very wealthy tourists from the top of the mountain down in pristine snow conditions and take the helicopter back up and just do that all day. Like, what's better than that? I mean, that's an amazing job. <laughs> exactly. So I started actually to do that. You have to have um, your private pilot's license. So I started that. Um, you have to be a paramedic. I started that. And of course, um, I was an avid skier. My brother-in-law was uh, coach for the Canadian freestyle team. And so like this was a huge part of our life. And I was just in that season saying, OK, God, how do how do I fit you into this? Right. Because I really like this. And um, <laughs> I, so that's that's what I thought was going to happen. And um, in the middle of that, I decided that I'd, I'd uh, move to Vancouver and go to Bible school. I just thought, hey, I, I'd love to get some extra training. And really, at the end of that first year of Bible school, my, that's where my life took a hard right. I, um, I met the man who has become and would become my mentor, and he leads a global uh, church planting and mission organization. And, um, and he was preaching at one of our chapels, um, and he was telling these stories from his experiences in Africa on the Serengeti, and th these stories from all over the world— of the power of God at work, like things that I'd never seen or experienced in my Christian life. And literally, he finished that night. Um, my parents actually knew him from before, but they prayed um, that, uh, that I would get connected with him, and, and I did, and I dropped out of Bible school at the end of that year, and I went into uh, several years of short-term mission work across the world. And um, so I, I sort of regret actually not finishing Bible school, but um, I just felt God's call to actually um, take my faith and, and uh, jump into the deep end with what he was doing all over the world. And so I had the opportunity to travel through the Middle East and to, um, to go on mission with like one of the world's leading Arab evangelists and uh, to it was a it was incredible few years of me stepping into like into the ring so to speak and my faith was tested and refined and um and he set me on a new trajectory but i still i still even after that was pushing back on god's call for me to invest in the local church i just i just did not have a passion or desire for that and um still thinking back to your parents experience and yeah. your dad's yeah, and just I love the adventure of traveling all over the world. I I I love food, and I loved. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know where you're at with that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I just I my memories of those trips are 50 percent ministry, 50 percent food, like the local street food <laughs> in Cairo and Alexandria and England and all over. I have so many stories related to food about those trips, but. I, I just, that was the lifestyle that I loved, and I just was so drawn to. And the thought of being plugged into a local church just was depressing to me at that point. You ever been to India? I have, yeah. Do they actually eat monkey brains there, or is that just a fallacy? Well, um, I did not try them or see them. Not, I, not that they don't. I don't know. Okay, just wondering. Yeah. Because there's some pretty exotic stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been a few places around the world, not as many as you, but um, in other countries. And I've seen some things cooking on grills, uh, you know, on the side of the road that I'm not sure I would ever taste. But apparently you have a little more courage in those areas. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> wow. If you barbecue something for long enough, it's going to be good. <laughs> for, for long enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Andrew Platt is lead pastor at Mountain Park Community Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario, um, which is on Mountain Road, right? Yes, yeah, it is. Aptly named. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know very that. Very creative name. I, I Google mapped it today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's a great name, though. Where is that, by the way, in the falls? Like, for folks that are unfamiliar with the falls itself. Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of um, right on the border between Niagara Falls and St. Catharines, Niagara and the Lake area. Oh, okay. So it's... Um, it is about 10 minutes from the actual falls themselves, mm -hmm. but it's closer to Niagara-on-the-Lake. Gotcha. All right, I can picture that. Um, yeah, and 
like I said before, we've if you're just joining us, Andrew is somebody that we've gotten to know on a limited basis because of things like Kingdom Bound and Church on the Beach yeah. and uh, some of the events we've done, like our Christmas uh, program, a Christmas concert with WDCX. But um, good to have you in studio. And now, how long have you officially been the lead pastor at Mountain Park? <laughs> like um, six week? weeks. No. Six, six weeks? Yep. Really? Yeah. That, no kidding. That, that The official baton passing was right. um, in mid-September. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you said earlier you're in your 40s, but the last we left off, you were traveling the world with an evangelist and yeah. probably in your 20s at that yep. point. So, and but all the while kind of keeping the whole idea of the local church at arm's length because you mm-hmm. had seen your parents, you know, in ministry, your dad especially, uh, dealing with the stress of what it means to be a pastor of a local church. And I think that that was kind of off the table for a while, right? Like, yeah. Like you really weren't willing to consider it. But God came knocking eventually, but um, I'm sure there's a lot of history in those 20 years. But walk us through the journey to eventually get to be lead pastor at Mountain Park. I mean, because God obviously did a work. And you also are incredibly talented musically. So <laughs> so you got you probably at some point thought about being a rock star, <laughs> and you were going to be a, a helicopter ski guy. Yep. <laughs> a worldwide I'm, adventurer I'm just, missionary I have guy. Very lofty aspirations. I, it's <laughs> obvious to me. It's very obvious. Um but yeah, so you're a lead pastor today, but there's a lot of there's a big journey in there. So yeah. describe what happened. Yeah. So um in that season of doing some short term mission work, my parents actually moved back to Niagara. And uh I had nothing better to do in that uh time frame. And so I just kind of followed them back. My first job uh, back in Ontario was at a ski shop in St. Catharines. Big surprise. Yep, there we go. And uh, so I was there for about a year and a half. On one of my uh, trips coming uh, back to Ontario from Calgary, on the plane, I just just randomly just felt uh, the Holy Spirit say, I want you to move into ministry. And I just sort of had this dialogue with him on the plane, like, I thought we've talked about this before. Like, I don't, I have no interest in that. And so uh, when, I, when I landed, my parents picked me up, actually. And I said to my dad, as we were driving from, from the airport home, I said, I think I'm supposed to step into ministry, but I don't know how to do that. I, I don't know what to do. And so... I basically started my ministry journey as an intern, a part-time intern uh, in a small church. My dad was leading that church, and uh, so I was sort of the jack-of-all-trades intern. For one year, I was on this uh, intern assignment. At the end of the year, they asked if I would come on full-time. And so then I was in full-time ministry under my dad at that church for about nine years after that. And uh, through an interesting series of events, um, ended up transitioning from that staff environment to another church in St. Catharines, uh, a really large church. And so I stepped into a role as a um, uh, in a creative direction role there at that church, mm-hmm. and I uh, really loved it. It was like my dream environment to be in. It was amazing, and loved the people there that I got to work with. It was a totally different environment. Um, but after about five and a half years of that, my life spiritually had just flatlined. I, I, I had made, I don't even know when I did it, but I made this exchange from ministry uh to vocation. Mm-hmm. And I began to just, for probably a year, a year and a half, I just saw myself as working for God, not with Him. And uh, so my spiritual life basically flatlined. And um, and I was just wondering what to do. In that season, I just decided that I was going to fast and, and ask Him what to do. And so I, I did a 40-day fast, and in the middle of that fast, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me clearly and said, there's going to be some decisions that are coming up in the life of the church. If this decision is made, I'm asking you to stay and to to fully engage and commit yourself. If the other decision is made, I'm releasing you to go. Sure enough, about two months later, those decisions happened, and it was the decision, the I'm releasing you version, 
but then I panicked and I went, oh, I have nothing. Like, what am I going to do here? I've, <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I and I kind of dug my heels in and I I disregarded that clear calling and direction of the Holy Spirit. I dug my heels in and I can't tell you out of concern for providing for your family. Yeah. The security of, of, of having fear, a job. Out yeah. of fear, out of doubt. Like, did I really hear correctly? Like, this is a big deal, God. Did sure. I hear you? Uh, so I was second guessing myself and I was afraid. And in the course of that three or four months, um, my spiritual life continued to just tank. And I actually got to a point where um, that decision was having a major impact. Uh, that decision inadvertently, I was hurting the people that I loved, and I was miserable, and I was frustrated with myself. And so um, I ended up just resigning from that role. And I just said, all right, I'm done with church. Like, I tried this, God. It's been 15 years. I'm ready for something new. And so I resigned and fully intended to step into my own business doing branding and design work. And I was really excited to do that. In the midst of that, out of relationship and friendship, I began playing guitar at Elevation Church in Toronto. And I have some friends that are part of that ministry there. And and so, unbeknownst to me, over the course of the next two to three months of serving there and volunteering, um, God began to just rekindle this burning passion for him. And I began to spiritually come alive again. And I was watching him <laughs> move in these powerful ways. And I was... I was on the periphery. I was actually, I wasn't the one driving the bus anymore. I was just sitting back <laughs> yeah. and I was going like, all right, God, I, if, if this is what ministry looks like, um, you know what? I'm, I'm open, but I, again, I just, I kind of believe that I could, I was just going to be working, doing my own thing and then just responding to vocational ministry or itinerant ministry. I, I did actually think that I wanted to play guitar. That's all I wanted to do. And I was doing that at that church and through uh, with a couple of different friends. And And my dream in that season was to just play guitar full time, design branding and logos for people and uh, be on my way, merry way. But God had a totally different idea in mind. And so about four months into that journey at Elevation Church, um, Mountain Park, where I was for a decade, my dad reached out to me and said, hey, we're going through some transitions. Would you be open to coming on staff here? And I literally looked at him deadpan in the eyes and I said, you're kidding yourself. There's not a chance and you know what, that I'm coming back to Mountain Park. I've been there, bought the t-shirt, you know, I love the people, but I'm not, that doesn't make any sense. And um, I had some our, our best friends um, started challenging me and saying, Andrew, we, we kind of think you're running away from God's call in your life. And I said, yeah, I could be, <laughs> but this is, I, I just don't want to do it. I have no desire. And, um, and so I dug my heels in again. That's like the story of my life is my stubbornness. But I dug my heels in again. And over about two and a half months, three months, the Holy Spirit was just working on me. And so one night we had dinner with our best friends and they said andrew we believe that you're actually walking away from god's call in your life and we believe you need to actually get involved at the church and i put my fork down at the table and i looked at them all and i said <laughs> fine if that's what you think then i'll help but i don't think this is a good idea i don't want to do it i don't see how god is in this you know and so Really reluctantly, I, I uh, agreed to come on quarter time to help with this church. And when I met with my dad the next time, I literally had a list of all of my demands of, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. And I said, I'm going to help you just get through this season. But I have no interest in, in attaching my wagon to whatever's going on here. And um, so the very first Sunday that a few of us started at this church it was February 19th, um, 2017. 
And there were a handful of people there in the service. The church had been going through transition and just been struggling. And uh, a few days before the service, I said to my dad, well, it would make sense in this season. I'm coming on. I'm helping. Uh, some of our friends are helping. Why don't I just preach this Sunday? And he said, sure, go ahead. And so um, I preached that Sunday midweek the next week. He said, all right, what do you want to do this week? And I said, well, I, I mean would make sense. I've done one Sunday. Why don't I just do a four-week series? And and so I did a four-week series. And at the end of that series, my dad said, so where are we going from here? What do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I've got this <laughs> other idea that God is stirring in me. Why don't I just do one more series? And then you can kind of take the reins. And before I knew it, um, I had preached from February 19th to like mid-June uh, every week. <laughs> and it's not that I actually wanted to do it. Uh, I'm not even kidding, Neil. Every Saturday night, I would be in bed with my wife, and I would lean over to her and say, I hate this. I, I don't know why God is asking me to do this. I don't know why uh, I'm struggling so deeply with this. I don't enjoy this. Um, and that went on for months and months. But what began to change was that I started to see the, the supernatural activity of God around me. I started to see him messing up other people's lives and completely changing them. And I started looking at that and going, man, like this is pretty cool that I get to be like a small little part of what's going on. And so it wasn't that I began to love leading and love preaching and love all these things. I, I began to see how God can take uh, somebody's life and just completely turn it around and restore it and renew it and bring healing and freedom, <laughs> all of those. And I began to go, man, okay, God, if I can be around to watch you do this, like this is something that I can get behind. And um, so it was a process for me of over the uh, a full year of just uh, surrendering my plans in my life. And it was literally like one finger at a time that he was prying off my own plans. And he was just challenging me. Do you trust me with your life? Do you trust me with your heart? I know that you think that these other things are going to bring you the most life. But I know your heart. I made it. So trust me, even though right now it seems tough and difficult, this is not the road you were picturing. Trust me, because in the end, I have come to bring you a full life. And so that's the journey that I've been on is just learning to trust him. You know, I'm thinking about <clears throat> the person who's listening right now going, like, I have this coworker or something, and I hate having to be nice to them because they're so mean to me. Or... Uh, the husband or wife that is in a difficult marriage and maybe they're the believer and their spouse isn't or something and they're going, I just hate that we're not on the same page and that I have to continually demonstrate the love of Christ. I just want to be able to walk in fellowship with them. This is so hard. And yet God is saying to them, will you just trust me? Mm -hmm. Because for you, it was the idea of being in senior leadership in a church. It wasn't really where your heart was at, but you right. were experiencing God's move in your life. And, and he was saying like, I the most powerful thing you've said thus far is just incredible. When God told you, I know your heart. Like, I know who you are. I know why you were created. I know how I plan to use you. It, it's all of that rolled into one. And you can't see it because you're just Andrew Platt. Yeah. But I'm God, and and I got a plan for you. Will you trust me? And I can't even imagine how that's ministering to so many people, myself included, who are just listening going, man, that story is my life isn't exactly like Andrew's because I've got a different set of circumstances. But that story resonates in the middle of any kind of a yeah. circumstance. So has he flipped your heart entirely? Are you passionate about what you're doing today? Because <laughs> um, you got a lot of people from Mountain Park listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the pressure's on. Yeah. Um, I am. You know why? Because even just in the last few months, I've, I've been learning myself to actually just more fully yield to the Holy Spirit's work in my life, to trust him. And God is doing supernatural things around me. Um, he's healing people, and he's, he's releasing people from bondage. Like these crazy divine intervention appointment things that I could never plan on my own or orchestrate. He's doing them, and that's continuing to just fuel this fire in me to go, okay, 
if that's what the kingdom of God is like, if that's what following Jesus is like, that's giving me a bigger adrenaline rush than being a heli ski guide ever could have or traveling <laughs> around the world ever could have. Sure. Because I'm literally, there's, there's at least, you know, 10, 15 stories, Neil, from the last year alone of God just supernaturally invading people's lives and doing things for them and in them and through them that are so inspiring. And that's the thing that's like, that's the, that's the gasoline in my tank right now. It's just, just saying, okay, God, um, where are we going today in our relationship, in our partnership? You're walking with me. Hmm. Where are we going today? What do you have for me today? And, um, I have, yeah, even just in the last two weeks, some really neat stories of, of my own experience with that and, um, and these crazy things that God has been doing in my own life. And so that's what he's doing in the body. And it's like people are just watching what's happening, and that's what's attractive to them. It's actually the presence of the Holy Spirit is the most attractional force on earth. And when he's involved and when he's out front leading— that's what draws people to himself. It's not our cool church or hip church or our preaching even or our worship per se. It's actually the presence of God that is is so irresistible to people. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm thinking about you wanted to be this helicopter ski guy flying up to the top of mountains and leading mm-hmm. rich people to the bottom, you know, in virgin snow still uh, like to try it, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, or traveling the world with missionaries and evangelists all over the place, eating exotic foods and all yeah. over the planet. You have a heart for adventure. But really what is happening right now is that God is saying, walking with me is an incredible adventure. Watch what I can do in people's lives. And you're eyewitness to some pretty crazy stuff right now. Yeah. That is unbelievable. So yep. a lot more to talk about, but we've only got a few minutes to do it. We'll be back in a moment. Andrew Platt. Our guest, he's lead pastor at Mountain Park Community Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario. If you want to learn more about the church itself, go to MP for Mountain Park dot church. MP dot church. You'll find their website right there. Back again with Andrew Platt, lead pastor at Mountain Park Community Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario. So um, you're married 14 years. Yep. Two boys. Yes. How old? Nine and six. Man. All right. So let's see. Um, Thirteen seven years, you're gonna have two teenagers. God bless you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pray for Andrew and his wife. Yeah. What's your wife's name? Rochelle. Oh, well, hi, Rochelle. I hope you're listening. And the boys' names? Eli and Simon. Cool. All right. So we got some real biblical names yep. going on there. Yep. Um, I want to just briefly ask you to describe the church, but before we do, can you talk about any of the? Um, you said there was a couple really amazing things that happened. In the last couple of weeks, are you able to, yeah. without using names or anything, yeah, make us yeah, privy yeah, to some sure. of what yeah. you've seen? Yeah. Um, yeah. And these are just related to my own journey of learning to um, walk in intimacy and relationship with the Father and learning to hear His voice and, and actually respond in obedience. The first one was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was, um, I was on my way to get... Uh, a massage treatment. I had an accident um, earlier in the year, and so I've been getting massage treatment. And I was getting a massage from a different therapist than I'd had before. And I walked into the massage room, and all of these kind of alarm bells started to go off in me, like something's not right spiritually in this environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so I started to pray, and I was renouncing things and binding things, and I was praying and 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 excusing things, and. Um, and just kind of going, what in the world? And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to <laughs> put your clothes back on and leave. And for whatever reason, the therapist was taking an unusually long time to, to come to the table. And, uh, but I didn't. I, I made all of these rationalized arguments as to why I should stay. And at the, at the end of the day, I was just, I, I'm, not, I'm not a super outgoing person, and I was just afraid of making a scene, basically. Right. But um, the therapist comes in, and within five minutes starts telling me about um, all of her uh, Eastern practices that she does, and spiritual practices and all these things. And as she started explaining to me what she's into, I just kind of went, ah, okay, I see it. And so, anyway, she finished the massage. I left that place, and my heart was broken, 
just because um, the Holy Spirit, out of relationship, was just leading me um, to trust him and to follow him and not to put myself in these vulnerable situations. And so I literally cried when I left there. I just was like, God, I'm so sorry, and teach me to hear your voice. So a few days later, it's a Sunday morning. I'm on my usual drive from my home to church, and I drive, I take the parkway, and I pass Niagara Falls every Sunday. I just take Mm -hmm. the scenic route. And I was stopping at the same Starbucks I always do. I pulled through the drive-thru, and um, this guy serving me there is just really friendly, and he's serving me. As soon as he gives me my coffee, I'm about to drive away, and I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to tell him that I'm uh, calling him specifically to some things in his life right now. And so I'm sitting in my car, and I'm going, there's no, 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 no. This is not, (laughs) I'm not on board for this. I'm not doing it. I drove out of the Starbucks, and then uh, I was, it's attached to a Lowe's. I circled the Lowe's parking lot four times going, uh, God, I don't, this is really awkward now for me to go back in. Finally, I just said, fine, I'm going to do my devotions here in the parking lot. And if after I'm done, you still want me to go in, (laughs) then I'll go in. So after my devotions, (laughs) I go to turn the key on in my car and the Holy Spirit goes, no, what are you doing? You you need to go in. And I literally look up at that moment. I'm not joking. And these big biker dudes walk into the Starbucks and I go, see, I'm like, I don't want to make a scene that could be dangerous in there. I'm not going in there. And I just feel God gently saying, you're going in there. And so I'm not outgoing. I'm not the life of the party kind of guy. Um, I usually hide in a corner when we're out together socially, my wife and I. And so I walk into this Starbucks, and this this uh, person is sitting right on, on the end of the counter. And I just walk up to him, and, and I say, hey, man, you served me um, you know, a little while ago, and I just wanted to let you know that I just believe that God has got a call in your life. And and I'm just stumbling through my words. I'm just sweating profusely. <laughs> like just, I'm like so nervous. My body's shaking. Absolutely. And, um, and then he looks at me and he goes, hey, are you on your way to church? And I just stopped and I said, yeah. And um, he goes, you know, my wife and I are new in the region. We actually moved here in June from London, Ontario. And we just actually really felt God calling us even prophetically, to come to this area. But we've been here for months and months and months, and we're literally wondering why God brought us here. We, we have no church community we've been able to plug into, no family we've been able to plug into. And, um, and so he just said, you know, like, this is really kind of weird what's going on here. And I said, yeah, this is really kind of weird what's going on here. And I had to go, and so I just said, I'll see you later. I totally forgot to invite him to church. So hashtag what? fail on that. Um, I, yeah, I'm literally walking out on my way to church, and I forgot to invite him. Oh, and by the way, I'm the pastor. But, yeah, okay. totally. So a week goes by. I went back into that store three times to try and find him, mm-hmm. and I didn't bump into him at all. And so finally on the Saturday, I said, all right, God, if you're, gonna, if you're orchestrating something, then I guess it's up to you. Um, that same Saturday, I was uh, just reading in devotions, was reading in the first chapter of Hebrews, and another totally out of the blue prompting from the Holy Spirit. I'm reading in chapter 1, verse 3, I think it is, where the writer is talking about Jesus being above the angels, that we're not to worship the angels, we're to worship Jesus. And out of the blue, the Holy Spirit says to me, tomorrow I want you to get up during worship, and I want you to speak to some people that are engaging in witchcraft, in tarot cards, horoscopes, and I want you to invite them to walk into the freedom that I have for them and lay down this stuff. And I, I'm li- in my house going, what in the, like, that is, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so I wasn't even preaching that week. Mm-hmm. Um, we happened to be singing the song Tremble. Um, and so we're singing Played it. that early. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going, oh, great. Like, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. All right, I guess I got to do this. So I got up, and I, I gave sort of this word that I felt the Holy Spirit calling me to. And so then I invited everybody to close their eyes. And uh, if whoever this person was, they could just raise their hand, and I wanted to agree with them in prayer. Uh, so everybody closes their eyes. 
No one raises their hands. And I'm scanning the room nervously going, I don't know. I'm sweating again. Sweating again, I was going to say. Yeah, Yeah, I'm nervous. And so I just just prayed and we moved on with the service. I just thought, okay, maybe I didn't hear right. I don't know. Um, Right after the service, a teenage girl beelines it for me. And she said, Pastor Andrew, when you mentioned that thing about tarot cards, that's me. I've actually been messing around with that stuff. And literally what she said was, they have a power over me and I can't stop. Would you pray with me right now? Wow. And so, so I prayed um, just a prayer of authority over her. And then I invited her to pray a prayer of authority to break the power of that stuff over her life. I literally opened my eyes from the prayer. And the guy that I talked to at Starbucks is standing right behind her. So there's these two incidents of the Holy Spirit speaking to me and um, and him following through and orchestrating these things. <laughs> so that young girl, uh, that week, actually, uh, as that week went on, she signed up. We baptized her on Sunday. No kidding. Like, God has just totally transformed her life. This young couple is now fully engaged in our church. And, and what God was speaking to me, he said, Andrew, this is how I want to build my church. And not just from you doing it, but I actually want to release the the whole body. There's this thing, right, we call it the priesthood of believers. It's right. that every person who's walking in your doors has a calling on their life to walk in relationship with me, to extend my authority on the earth, and to be fruitful and multiply themselves. And what I want to do is create these divine appointments, and I want to lead people into life change and transformation in ways that you can't program or schedule. Like, this is not about evangelism class 101. This is like, God, how do I hear your voice? And give me the courage to just follow through with what you're asking me to do. And that's what he's been speaking so clearly to me and to us at our church is, I want to do this, but I'm going to do this my way. And we're not going to do this the way that you grew up knowing how to do church. I actually want to lead your people into these powerful, life-changing encounters. And that's what's starting to happen. And it's spreading like a wildfire everywhere. And, and people are just like beside themselves in amazement that God cares enough sure. about people's lives to float a stranger in randomly to say, hey, you know what? This is going on, or I felt I heard this. I wanted to encourage you with this, whatever it is. So that's right. the stuff that's <laughs> happening, and it's crazy. Because God is actually at work. Yeah. And, and you're getting a chance to be eyewitness to it. And, and you know, this, it's interesting because this segment on Wet Worship Wednesdays is called Spotlight, putting the spotlight on, on what Christ is doing in and through his local church, and that's exactly what just happened. You're telling the story of what God is doing in your life and in the lives of others. And uh, because you're listening to the voice and responding, sometimes reluctantly, sometimes yeah, driving absolutely. around Lowe's five times yep. and sweating and sweating <laughs> and rumbling, bumbling, stumbling yeah. through the conversation. Oh, I could, yeah. Every one of us could feel exactly what you were feeling in that moment going back in to talk to that guy. But look at what God was up to. Yeah. How incredible. Did So he recognized you, obviously. Yeah. He shows up in your church. Yeah. And he shows up in our church and... Um, I just started laughing. I literally just started laughing. I said, you have no idea what the backstory of this whole... So I, I kind of walked him through my, that whole backstory. I just explained to everyone. Yeah. And, um, and he and his wife... So he went on to tell me that just days before that, they had sat down together. They were just... They were, um, they were depressed that they had made this big move. They thought God was leading them, and they just were confused. What is going on here? And they had just days before decided when their lease was up on their home, they were moving back to London. They were done in the Niagara region. And mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't know what God is going to do. I don't know what his plans are for next week, let alone six months from now. But um, he and his wife have just fully engaged in the life of our church, and um, have just come alive, and they've actually been a huge blessing to us and to our staff team, and and just seeing God at work, the things that only hmm. He can do, that's the stuff that is getting me so excited, and I don't care about preaching or 
building a church. I'm not interested in building a church. I'm interested in learning how to follow uh, my father and inviting other people to experience how exhilarating it is when you actually just begin to trust God with that and, and pray and ask him for the boldness that we need. You know, Acts 4.13 um, is the tail end of a story of John and Peter. They heal this man powerfully. And, um, yep, there it is. <laughs> You're showing it to me on, on the computer. <laughs> they heal this man powerfully, and all of the religious leaders are looking at them going, You're not qualified for this religiously. You're uneducated. How are you so bold and powerful? And the result that they come to is that these men have been with Jesus. And that has been rocking my world in the last little while. And that word being in the original language, um, that same word is used by the devil when he's tempting Jesus in the desert. And he says, if you are the son of God, do this, do that. That word are is the same word. That's actually, that word is an indication of identity. When we're so deeply rooted in Christ, he transforms us and he does stuff in and around us that we couldn't even dream about before. And that's the thing that I'm super excited about. I have no idea where our church is going. We have, we're not big on strategic planning per se. Some of that is really good and helpful, but, um, We're just on this journey and this ride of going, okay, God, where you are, there's healing and there's freedom and there's hope and peace and restoration. There's freedom from bondage. These are the things that are the kingdom of God, and you're inviting us to partner with you and walk in that. And where he walks, that's what happens. And that's what's so exciting about walking with Jesus. Incredible. Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Yeah. Incredible. Man, so encouraging. Um, Church service on Sunday, what time does it start? 10.30 a.m. We just have one. Okay. And again, the church can be found at MP for Mountain Park dot church. Yeah. It's like the simplest web address ever. Yep. MP dot church. Um. And I guess you could stop by and, and check it out and, and find out what God is doing there, uh, particularly if you live in the Niagara region and you don't have a church home. Uh, you might want to stop by and, uh, and be a part of what God's doing in that church. And he is moving in his church, and we're grateful to have the opportunity to yeah. put the, the spotlight on it. Man, it's been great to have you here. And um, yeah, Thanks for having me. Here's some of the story of your journey. And I would just love to pray for you before we let you go and absolutely ask for God to continue to do great things. Lord, it's just so amazing to hear Andrew's journey growing up in a, uh, a Christian home. His dad was a pastor, said he wanted nothing ever to do with the local church and became a prodigal for a while, but you called him back home and he was searching for just exactly what his uh, call was on his life. And ultimately it's to walk in an adventurous relationship with you, knowing that you're able to lead and to guide and to build your church if we're willing to put our yes on the table. And I thank you that uh, Andrew is learning to uh, continue to trust you in every circumstance that when we do, literally even supernatural kinds of things can happen and lives are transformed. And Lord, um, the reality is that sometimes we grow cold in our relationship with you because we think we're, we have to try to make something happen to prove that you're powerful and that your church is alive and well. But Lord, you are capable of doing that on your own if we'll simply get out of the way and get on board with what you're saying to us, following after you and obeying you in every circumstance. So we pray your blessing on Andrew and the leadership of Mountain Park Community Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario, for his wife, his two boys, Lord, for the family. Um, we pray a hedge of protection around them and for the blessing of the Holy Spirit to continue uh, to be felt in that place for the relationship uh, with God to be supreme in the hearts and minds of those that you call there. And thank you for uh, this young girl who's uh, renounced tarot cards and this young man and his wife who are experiencing joy having found a church home for this time, this season in their lives. Lord, there's so many things to thank you for. Uh, we would never get to the end of, end of them. I think of the song 10,000 Reasons. Lord, we, we would never be able to stop praising you for everything if we tried to number it. But we thank you for who you are, how much you love us, and the fact that you are real and you have called us into relationship with you, the living God. So thank you for this time to talk about you in our Spotlight segment with Andrew and to hear about what you're doing at the Mountain Park Community Church. 
We praise you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I didn't get to hear about your most uh, embarrassing moment in ministry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's good. Oh, it's good. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us quick. It's actually so I was playing guitar for Promise Keepers yeah. in Toronto. We were in the Hershey Center, five thousand guys there, and it was a uh, early, early morning worship set, and. Um, I was playing beside a good friend of mine who's a professional guitar player, way better than me. And we were doing Lincoln Brewster's Everlasting God. Sure. And uh, he <laughs> said, Andrew, you're taking the solo on this one. And so I said, okay. Uh, at the time, I play a pink Strat. That's kind of what everybody recognizes me for. They say, hey, you're the guy with the pink Strat. But I was playing a Telecaster. And in the middle of that solo, Lincoln Brewster flips his pickups and does some stuff. So... There's 5,000 guys. I'm in the middle of the guitar solo. It's cranked out in the front of the house. And when I go to flip my pickup, I turn the volume off by accident on my guitar. And so <laughs> I literally turn my guitar off in the middle of the guitar solo. And as soon as I realized what was going on, I, again, the sweating, I'm like just profusely sweating. I'm beat red. <laughs> My hands are shaking. They're clammy. And I, I'm just trying to like get the train back on the tracks. But I just completely <laughs> destroyed that guitar solo in front of 5,000 guys who were there to rock and roll that morning. And I just, I walked off the stage and I could just see the snickers on all of the, the band's face. They're all professional <laughs> musicians. And here I am, this like pseudo hacker guitar player pastor guy and uh they were just snickering they thought it was one of the funniest things they've ever seen so that was by Classic. far the most <laughs> devastating moment of my guitar playing life. <laughs> all right well god bless you thanks for coming clean i'm never gonna be able to listen to everlasting god from lincoln brewster the same way ever again <laughs> sorry no problem uh Listen, mp.church is where you'll learn more about Mountain Park. But again, thanks for stopping by to hang with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Andrew Platt, our guest today, hearing what Jesus is doing in and through his local church.